Underdog Fantasy is the easiest place to play fantasy football. Draft your team with no in-season management. Get the optimal score each week of the season and have a shot at over $10 million in total prize money in their Best Ball Mania 3 contest. Head on over to underdogfantasy.com or the App Store, sign up with promo code FSE, and Underdog is going to match your first deposit up to $100. Again, Underdog Fantasy. Sign up with promo code FSE and draft your Best Ball Mania 3 team today. What's happening, y'all? Welcome inside the Fantasy Stock Exchange. Bush coming at you solo today to talk about 10 guys that you can use as late round dart throws in a dynasty startup draft. This idea was brought up by, I can't, I'm, you know, it's slipping my mind who brought it up in the live stream, but I thought it was a good topic to talk about because I know a lot of you guys, when you're in a dynasty startup, once you get past round 14, 15, 16, you're like, uh, who the hell should I pick? All these guys seem the same. They're all useless. Uh, well, here's some guys that in a general philosophy that I like to take in late rounds of a dynasty startup. So if you guys enjoyed this video at any point, as always hit the like button really helps us out, really helps us grow. We appreciate all of you guys that like every video comment down below. Any of your thoughts as well. We really appreciate those and subscribe to the channel. If you are new as well, close to 11,000 subscribers already. We just hit 10,000, um, you know, right around the NFL draft. So already, uh, closing in on 11,000. We definitely appreciate the support from you guys. Check out the Patreon. If you guys want to support us in any way, get access to our dynasty rankings manifesto and all that good stuff. Underdog fantasy as well. Promo code FSE at sign up and first deposit. We want to thank them for sponsoring this video and all of our videos. Um, so without further ado, let's hit the intro. So my general philosophy in the late rounds of dynasty startup drafts is that I love taking veterans in this area of the draft. And also for the most part, young wide receivers who've shown pretty much nothing uh, I like avoiding. So that's kind of the, the strategy that I like to take. Anybody who's going outside of round 15, who's a young wide receiver or a young player that, you know, has some kind of, um, you know, eternal optimism behind them because they were good prospects or whatever the case is. I typically like to avoid those players. So that, you know, comes with guys like Brian Edwards and Jalen Rager and Terrace Marshall and guys like that. So as a general rule, I would say aim for production in this area of the draft and don't quote unquote shoot for upside. Because when you shoot for upside in this area of the draft, you end up with a dead asset and make sure if you're going to shoot for upside, it's a rookie because then at least there's that unknown factor that, hey, maybe this third round rookie pick Tyquan Thornton or, you know, Tyler Beatty, whatever rookie that you'd like, at least there's an unknown factor with those guys. And there's a chance that they could become something. But if it's like a second or a third year wide receiver that hasn't shown much to this point in their career, it's very rare that any of those players in that area of the draft will become anything more than, you know, a boomer bust wide receiver four or something in fantasy. They're never going to become a weekly wide receiver one or two or a weekly running back one or two. You're likely looking at flex pieces at absolute best being hits from this area of the draft that you can sell for either future draft capital if you're rebuilding, or you can just use the production if you're a contending team. So guys who go outside the top 180 picks or first 15 rounds of the startup are the guys that we're talking about in this video. So I'm strictly talking about managed dynasty leagues in this video, but if you guys play in any dynasty best ball leagues, this applies even more so because veterans and you know rookies are exactly how uh, you get those spike weeks in a dynasty format. But without further ado, here's 10 players that fit this description, either a veteran player 
or maybe a young player that's going undervalued or a rookie. So number one is KJ Osborne, wide receiver for the Minnesota Vikings. He is currently going off the board at the 1605 and all the ADP that I'm referencing in this video is courtesy of Adiko underscore FF, who basically uh, collates uh, sleeper ADP so that we know uh, how things are going in paid dynasty league. So it's a really great resource. Make sure you check out uh, his Twitter, but KJ Osborne, he isn't going to ever be an elite wide receiver in fantasy, which is why I, I say to target these guys that can be productive rather than guys that have a huge ceiling necessarily, because 9.3 PPR points per game last year, as a second-year player, was better than Jerry Judy. It was better than LaVisca Chenault, better than Gabriel Davis, better than Donovan Peoples-Jones, Brian Edwards, Rondell Moore, most of these guys that still have hype surrounding them despite not having any production uh, and being less productive than K.J. Osborne was last year. I've seen people bring uh, bring up the narrative that Kevin O'Connell will make this offense pass-heavy or more pass-heavy than they've been in years past, but the Vikings did rank top 12 in total pass attempts and in pass attempts in neutral game situations. The difference will come with Ken Kevin O'Connell, where the Vikings are going to play a lot more up-tempo. The Vikings ranked 17th in neutral uh, situation pace of play last year, but it was fourth for the Los Angeles Rams, which is where Kevin O'Connell comes from as the offensive coordinator. Like I said at the beginning of this video, I'm not concerned with whether I'm rebuilding or whether I'm contending when I'm drafting in the late rounds because I'm looking for value. Regardless of you know whether I'm rebuilding or contending, I'm looking for value that I can either flip if I'm rebuilding because if Osborne comes out and he's a weekly flex option like he kind of was in uh, for a period of time last year, then I can flip him for a rookie third rounder and roll the dice again in a couple of years. Or I can flip him maybe as a throw-in for a trade to acquire a second rounder or a first rounder or you know upgrade to a, a better wide receiver or something like that mid-season if I'm a rebuilding team. And if I'm a contending team, then I can just use that production in my flex, uh, flex spot or use it to tear up, like I said. So that's kind of how I'm handling these players that I'm going to talk about. Number two is Van Jefferson, wide receiver from the Los Angeles Rams. Similar to KJ Osborne, we have a second year wide receiver last year who was a wide receiver three in fantasy and uh, where he's the wide receiver three in his own offense an offense that was dominated last year by Cooper cup who had, you know, one of the best wide receiver seasons we've seen in the last 30 years. And Van Jefferson still put up 10 points per game in uh, PPR leagues, 41st among wide receivers and a solid flex option last year. If Cooper Cup regresses at all, or if, um, you know, defenses key in on him a little bit more or Allen Robinson or him deal with some injuries, Van Jefferson has shown that he can be a usable flex option in an offense that is very high powered led by Matthew Stafford. And he was, again, only a second year wide receiver last year. He could still take another step up in his career and maybe make this, um, you know, a wide receiver two by committee with him and Allen Robinson or something like that. So, Another solid piece, I think, for a rebuilder because he's still young or a contender if you just want to use him in one of your flex spots. Uh, any dynasty best ball format, I think Van is awesome in because he's going to have spike weeks as a part of that offense. And we saw that last year, him catching long touchdowns and stuff like that. So he's a guy that I love getting, again, either as a rebuilder or a contender. Number three is Rob Gronkowski. Now, obviously, the appeal of him is a little bit more to contenders because he is, you know, in his 30s as a tight end. But he's currently going off the board at the 1701. And we actually don't know whether or not Rob Gronkowski will even be playing football next year. So that is a concern. That is a risk of dra uh, grabbing Rob Gronkowski in a draft. But getting him late in drafts, especially because I typically fade tight end early on. I just don't think the tight end position is you know, very easy to project year over year. So I'm more likely to take cheaper tight ends and hope that they get there rather than assume that the high end tight ends will get there. So I'd rather spend, you know, a 17th round pick on Rob Gronkowski than I would a fifth, sixth, seventh round pick on Travis Kelsey, because I think Rob Gronkowski at his ceiling can be a top five tight end this year from a redraft perspective. And I will have him ranked as a top six tight end this year from a redraft perspective, if he comes back. And I think now that Tom Brady is back, 
it looks like he is a little bit more likely to come back than if Tom Brady were completely retired. So if, if you can help it, I would rather skip over the TJ Hawkinson's of the world, the Darren Wallers, Travis Kelsey's George Kittles, aside from Mark Andrews and Kyle Pitts, I don't see really the benefit of taking an early round tight end when you can grab, you know, a Cole Komet and a Noah Fant. grab two young guys like that and cover your own ass by taking Rob Gronkowski later in the draft. If you're a contender, cause then, you know, if all else fails, you can rely on trusty Gronk to be your to, to be your redraft tight end while those younger guys continue to develop. So that's more of the strategy that I'm taking at the tight end position. And Rob Gronkowski, Zach Ertz, you know, some of these older tight ends, even like Logan Thomas late in the draft, aren't bad guys to go after. So uh, number four is Gus Edwards, uh, currently going off the board at the 1703. The best type of running back depth in a dynasty league is high value production in case something happens, right? Handcuffs, always very valuable in dynasty as depth. If JK Dobbins got injured, um, Gus Edwards would have a minimum touchdown or bust RB two role in the Ravens offense an offense that is going to be very efficient on the ground from a player that, you know, has a short-term contract with that team and also has shown to be very efficient in that offense. So I like Gus Edwards, you know, as a late round running back dart throw as your RB five, your RB six, your RB seven on your roster, because on uh, with that position, when, when they're your like sixth or seventh best running back on your team, you want a, a path for that player getting into your lineup and a, pl- a time that you can throw them into your lineup um, and you feel comfortable doing that. And if you play in a best ball league, you want, you know, spike weeks and he could give you, you know, two touchdown games or something like that. So with Gus Edwards, you're getting a guy that you could, if you're completely screwed and you absolutely needed to desperation flex somebody, you could probably do it with Gus Edwards, but more likely you're going to need him in the case that JK Dobbins gets injured and coming off of an ACL tear. I mean, they're both coming off of major injuries, but uh, there's a chance that JK Dobbins misses a couple games here and there. And I think Gus Edwards is a great value in round 17 as like your RB six, your RB seven on your roster. And if you're a rebuilding team, you can flip a mid season. If JK Dobbins were to miss any time, probably for a future second round pick, but at the very least a future third round pick or as a throw in, in a trade. So number five is Jarvis Landry who fits kind of the bill again, more like Rob Gronkowski. He's probably going to appeal more to contenders, but I do think he is a good value uh, in drafts regardless that you can flip later. Michael Thomas is one of the biggest values overall on his own team in dynasty, but there is a world where Michael Thomas is still dealing with that ankle injury and maybe isn't up to speed fully. Jarvis Landry can still play. He had a 25% target share last year in the 12 games that he played. And he was top 15 in targets per route run with 28%. Jameis Winston has relied heavily on his slot receiver in the past with guys like Chris Godwin, Adam Humphreys, his tight ends, like Cameron Brayton, stuff like that. So even if Michael Thomas is on the field, I do think there's a world where Jarvis Andry still carver, uh, carves out a 20 to 22% target share. Another guy to keep, uh, if you're a contending uh, team, use him in your flex spot, especially if you're in a deep league or something like that. And if you're a rebuilder, I think this is a guy that is set to go up in value from a 17th round pick to a 13th, 12th round pick or whatever the case is by the time that we get closer to the season or whatever. So I really love Jarvis Landry as a guy that you can get on the cheap as well. Now, another veteran wide receiver that you can get on the cheap that could give you good production would be number six, Will Fuller. Uh, 1805 is his current ADP. Will Fuller didn't actually play a single game last year. So he's kind of out of sight, out of mind. He's also not on an NFL roster right now. He hasn't signed anywhere. He's still a free agent. But the second he signs somewhere, wherever it ends up being, his sheer awareness uh, of Will Fuller being actually on an NFL team should increase his value marginally to the point that maybe you get just some return on value that way. And especially if he signs in Cleveland with Deshaun Watson, uh, the roof will probably blow off his value. And he could be a guy going in the top 10 rounds, top 11, 12 rounds of dynasty startups just simply by signing in Cleveland. So this was legitimately a top 12 wide receiver in 2020 with Deshaun Watson in points per game before he got suspended for the PEDs. So I really, really like 
Will Fuller as a guy, as your wide receiver seven, wide receiver eight on your roster, especially if you play in a deep league with a lot of flex spots, I think Will Fuller can have a lot of value appeal that way. And like I said, even if you're a rebuilding team, there's a good chance that he skyrockets up to a top 40 wide receiver in Dynasty the second he signs with the Cleveland Browns or something like that. So uh, number seven is Jamal Williams. Pretty similar appeal to Gus Edwards. He's a three down, He has a three-down skill set. He's a, an ideal handcuff to DeAndre Swift in an offense that's set to be a little bit improved. Uh, coming off of last year where it was just basically DeAndre Swift, TJ Hawkinson, and then at the end of the year, Amon Ross St. Brown. You have Amon Ross in his second year, TJ Hawkinson, another year of experience for him, DeAndre Swift in his third season, and a rookie, Jamison Williams, who will eventually join this offense as well. Uh, for an offense that Jared Goff used as uh, running backs in the passing game last year, we saw Jamal Williams have usable weeks even with DeAndre Swift on the field, and he finishes a top 36 wide receiver or running back in points per game with very little of his production coming when DeAndre Swift was out. So another solid guy to line your bench with as your RB6, RB7 on your roster because he could definitely have some usable production during the season that you can either take advantage of if you're a contender or flip if you're a rebuilder. Number eight, J.D. McKissick, uh, top 25 PPR points per game running back this past year, nearly equivalent production to his teammate Antonio Gibson, who's still going very, very highly in dynasty drafts. The commanders clearly want J.D. McKissick to be a part of this offense and, and continue his role. They matched the offer that the Buffalo Bills gave him, and J.D. McKissick didn't have to go anywhere, and he was efficient, too. He was actually like efficient on his touches of act, uh, actually a efficient player. Number two in fantasy points per opportunity when he was given the chances, and he obviously has a lot of receiving appeal as the team's third down back. This could be a whole separate video, but the way I love to structure my bench, especially at the running back position, is a mix of guys, right? I don't necessarily want five handcuffs on my bench or five ambiguous backfields on my bench or five pass catching running backs on my bench. I like a mix of all those factors, right? So if I, let's say I have uh, Javante Williams, uh, Saquon Barkley and Cam Akers. Those are my three main running backs. And then I have another mid round guy like AJ Dillon. I want to structure the rest of my bench with guys like, let's say one or two guys like Gus Edwards and Jamal Williams, one or two guys like JD McKissick, and then one or two guys like Ramondre Stevenson or somebody like that. That's in an ambiguous backfield. That way you have multiple paths to fantasy relevant production. So if all else fails, you have a guy like JD McKissick who you can throw into your flex spot because he's going to give you PPR appeal, but he doesn't necessarily have the ceiling of a guy like Gus Edwards if J.K. Dobbins gets injured. So I like lining my running back position bench in a dynasty league with a bunch of different uh, archetypes of running backs. And uh, J.D. McKissick definitely fits the bill as one of the best late round dart throw pass catching running backs that you can have on your roster, especially if you're contending in a deep league. Number nine we have here is Kendrick Bourne, currently going off the board at the beginning of the 20th round. Sounding kind of like a broken record here, but he was a top 40 wide receiver in points per game this past year, playing a part-time role for the Patriots. He only played a 52.8% snap share, wasn't running routes out there uh, a ton. He had a run in fantasy where he was a startable wide receiver 2-3 type in his first year in a new offense with a rookie quarterback. So, when I look at what the Patriots did this offseason, sure, they they upgraded the position a little bit. They added Devontae Parker. They added uh, Tyquan Thornton in the second round. But, I mean, it's not like those guys are huge needle movers, huge difference makers. Jacoby Myers, who is the main wide receiver here, would likely be taken in rounds 10 to 12 of a dynasty startup in your leagues. And he only outscored Kendrick Bourne by 0.4 points per game in PPR. And he's only a year younger than him too. So Kendrick Bourne is a solid depth wide receiver to add to your roster. He'll be your wide receiver eight, wide receiver nine on your roster in the 20th round that you could legitimately flex week in and week out. In my opinion, especially if you play in a deep league where you have three wide receiver slots, four flexes, which many of my leagues are. So I really like Kendrick Bourne. And again, in best ball, he's going to have some weeks here and there. Um, because he was among the wide receivers that were there last year. One of the only guys that was able to score touchdowns 
in the red zone. So I, I really do like Kendrick Bourne. I actually own him in a lot of my dynasty leagues because he's just so damn cheap and a guy that I think you can actually use in your flex spot in a pinch. Number 10 is Marvin Jones. And uh, Marvin Jones is going late for a couple of reasons. Number one, he's older. He's in his 30s. He's going in the 22nd round of dynasty startups right now. Um, but you guys always rip on me in the comments for being so low on Trevor Lawrence and not taking into account that, you know, Urban Myers uh, clown show and Trevor Lawrence was a rookie quarterback last year. Well, this is how I get my I get my fix of Trevor Lawrence because I'm not going to draft Trevor Lawrence around three. I'm just not going to do it. I think the risk is too high um, at that price. But what I will do is draft Marvin Jones in every single startup that I'm in. So that way I do get some exposure if Trevor Lawrence takes that step. Do we think that you know, Marvin Jones is going to be a big beneficiary if Trevor Lawrence does take a big step this year because he's the number one receiver of this offense. All they added was Christian Kirk, who's mainly a slot guy. And we have legitimate documentation that Marvin Jones was the most vocal veteran in that locker room when the clown show of Urban Meyer was going on. So there's probably a good chance that Marvin Jones uh, sees a big uptick from Urban Meyer leaving as well because we didn't, you know, we knew that he was uh, against Urban Meyer and against that situation. I love Marvin Jones for those of you guys like I said, that play in deep leagues, perfect uh, way to get a cheap flex and contenders. And again, even if you're not a contender, if you want to draft this guy for a rebuilding team, people might look at you crazy. Like, why did you draft a 32 year old wide receiver for a rebuilding roster? But if mid season, he's a, uh, you know, the wide receiver 28 in points per game, you could probably sell him for at least a third round pick. If not, maybe even a little bit more than that 2024 20, second or something like that. And if you do that after a 13 target game in week four that he has, you're going to be laughing all the way to the bank because you all you got Marvin Jones for was a 22nd round startup pick. Uh, and like I said, if you're a contender, you can just hold that production and use it on your roster. So I hope you guys enjoyed this video. I hope this gave you a good idea of some of the guys that I'm targeting uh, when it comes to rounds 15 plus of my dynasty startups. There's a number of names that I could have talked about. I mentioned Devontae Parker. He's not a terrible guy to go after. Guys like Corey Davis are also good values. Marquez Valdez, Scanling. Anybody outside of the top 15 rounds that is a veteran wide receiver that's been productive in the past that uh, maybe is just going undervalued because of like injury or something like that, I think is always a pretty decent investment to make. And the too many mouths to feed argument also pushes a lot of these guys down the board as well. I'm always looking to add these guys to my team because we never know what happens, right? Kendrick Bourne could lead the, the Patriots in receiving this year. We could have, you know, a situation where Christian Kirk gets injured and Marvin Jones is a 27% target share guy. And he's suddenly a, a wide receiver too in fantasy. And he's like a discount Brandon Cooks. We, we really don't know what happens. So if you find any, you know, talented wide receivers, talented talented running backs, whatever the case is that if they get the opportunity or if they outplay certain guys on their team will be productive, then I'm always looking to grab those guys as depth in a dynasty league. I think building depth in a dynasty format is one of the most underrated parts of contending because especially for contenders, you can rely on your starting lineup all you want, but shit's going to go wrong during the season. You're going to have injuries. You're going to have bye weeks and you're going to need guys like Marvin Jones on your roster. So um, that's basically the long and short of this video. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Like I said, like, comment, subscribe. If you did check out the Patreon, if you want uh, access to our dynasty rankings manifesto, if you want to be first dibs on dynasty decisions, we have a queue of like 25 teams right now. So if you want to get on dynasty decisions, uh, I'm sorry to be this guy, but you're probably going to have to become a patron to get on the, uh, on dynasty decisions anytime soon. So make sure you check that out. Uh, also check out underdog fantasy as well. A lot of these guys that I mentioned in this video are also great values on underdog fantasy, and you can use promo code FSE at signup and first deposit. If you put in 50 bucks, you'll get a hundred dollars on the site to play with. That's four shots at $2 million to first place, $10 million 
overall in prizes in Best Ball Mania 3, which is currently filling up at a rapid pace right now. And for those of you guys that are not in Ontario like myself, you can get your hands on it right away. Like I said, use promo code FSE. You'll also get our Dynasty Rankings Manifesto as a free gift for signing up with our code. So you put in 50 bucks on the site, you get $100 to play with. You could win a boatload of money with that money and you'll get our Dynasty Rankings totally for free as a thank you. So we appreciate all of you guys. Peace out and we'll talk to you soon.